Dear Lord, thank you through you and what you've done, what you accomplished on the cross, that we can truly live through you. Lord, I thank you this afternoon as we look to your word, that we can be encouraged and yet motivated to follow after what your word instructs us to do. Father, I pray as I share, Lord, even at times what may feel difficult, Lord, I pray that the word that you would have come across would come across. That we would apply it to our lives in the ways that are applicable by the leading of your Holy Spirit. Hold on to good and even throw out even what is not good. So Lord Jesus, I thank you for this time we have together. Thank you for your living, breathing word to us this afternoon in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite you guys um, to turn to 1 Timothy um, chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to kind of have a one-off this afternoon. We finished our series, The Touch of God. Uh, We're going to be getting a new series starting next week about the trials of faith. But for today, I want us to look at something I think is very timely I'm very thankful that when you put in study and you, even if you jot down a heading as I did several weeks ago, the heading, the title was this, lifting up holy hands in prayer. Lifting up holy hands in prayer. And as we go through this passage of scripture, you're going to see how it speaks to us today in our present time, even as through worship, as we were praying and singing together, speaking the name of Jesus over our nation. And so I'm uh, deeply encouraged from this portion of scripture we're going to look at uh, this afternoon because it has spoken to my heart so tremendously. And I'm extremely thankful for the reminder uh, the Apostle Paul is giving us here today. So let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 2. And he says this to young Timothy. He goes, first of all, then, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all those who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for many, a testimony at the proper time. For this I was appointed a herald, an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying, and a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Therefore I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or argument." And going back to the beginning of chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Paul, I am an apostle of Christ by the command of God, our Savior, and Jesus Christ, our hope. To Timothy, my true son in faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God, the Father, and of our Lord Jesus Christ. As I urged you when I went to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus so that you may instruct certain people not to teach false doctrine or to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies. These promote empty speculations rather than God's plan, which operates by faith. Now the goal of our instruction is love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Some have departed from these and turned aside to fruitless discussion. 
They want to be teachers of the law, although they don't understand what they're saying or what they're insisting on. But we know that the law is good, provided one uses it legitimately. We know that the law is not meant for a righteous person, but for the lawless and the rebellious, for the ungodly and the sinner, for the unholy and the irreverent, for those who kill their fathers and mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, for the homosexual, for the slave traders, for the liars, the perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God which was entrusted to me. And ending in verse 12, I give thanks to Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, appointing me to the ministry, even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an arrogant man, but I received mercy because I acted out of ignorance and unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. This is a trustworthy saying and deserves full acceptance. Christ came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them. But I receive mercy for this reason, so that in me, the worst of them, Christ Jesus might demonstrate his extraordinary patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the one only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. That is quite the letter. That is quite the penmanship of declaring the grace of God, his favor, his tremendous patience. And yet this resolve from this favor to instruct sound doctrine, to teach in regarding to the glory of God, to be reverent and not irreverent. And he's telling young Timothy to hold his ground in many regards, to teach what is sound, what is true, what is sincere, and from a good conscience. He goes on to say in verse 18, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies previously made about you so that by recalling them, you may fight the good fight. Having faith and a good conscience, some have rejected these and have shipwrecked their faith. As a young man, even myself, these words speak to me here today that no matter what we do, the good fight above all else is keeping to sound doctrine keeping to sound instruction, that which lines up with who God is. He is truly loving and he is truly holy. And that's why I prefer to say our holy loving God because he's set apart. There's no one like him in the entire world. The way he operates and how he's been involved in human history. And when we look at how the Apostle Paul encourages young Timothy, based on all these things, because of the grace, because of the favor, because of the tremendous patience of God, he reminds him, okay, in light of all this, be sure to pray, to intercede, to petition with thanksgiving for everyone. This is something in this passage, as I was looking at the key words here in this statement in this verse, it's something that's hard to do. When you turn on the news, whatever media or news channel you prefer, whether it's Druthers or Fox or CBC, CTV, whatever you're tuning into, it can be kind of noisy. Depending on the frequency you're tuning into, it could be very interesting. 
And yet here, in the midst of even if there's things that are rubbing you in a way that you're, you're not appreciating or maybe even getting angry and upset, there's an encouragement for us this afternoon that even in those moments, to remember to pray. To even pray with, pray with and for those you don't agree with. This is something that's speaking to my heart because when we look at the world stage, when we look at what's happening in our nation's capital, majority being peaceful protests and such, there's been things that are happening and you just shake your head. And in many regards, we're all kind of losers in this. We're experiencing a lost fight. The word here, petition, is decimus. Decimus. It means the lack of or to be in need of. It means to earnestly and urgently give a request to God regarding that lack and that need. And so right here at the beginning, Paul's telling Timothy, I urge that petitions, prayers and intercessions and thanksgivings be made for everyone. Bring the lack, bring the need, bring the issue before God and bring all of the people's issues and lacks and needs before God. This is something interesting because again, when you look on the world stage, you could say, Lord, thank you so much for all those peaceful protesters out on the line at Rideau. But, you know, not, not for Prime Minister Trudeau. There, you may be praying that way because you get upset. And I even caught myself as I was praying this past week, I had left the Prime Minister out of my prayers because I was upset. And yet, when you open this passage, it says, it speaks right to the heart, almost like a dagger, make sure you pray, but for everyone. It says, all kings those who are in authority, so we may lead tranquil and a quiet life in all godliness and dignity. So again, that word petition is decimis, that means lack or in need of something. And so my encouragement to us this afternoon as we continue to go through this passage, that whatever the lacks are, whatever we can address or acknowledge, this is my lack, this is my need, that we can bring all those lacks and needs before God through our mediator, Jesus Christ. You know, when you look at any issues on the world stage, even when it comes to professional sports, whenever there's a disagreement between the GM and the player, if they can't come to agreement on a salary, a mediator has to come in. And sets the stage and brings both parties back to the table to come to a peaceful resolution of what they'll be paid. Here we look in this passage, a reminder that through our mighty God and Savior, we truly can experience this peace. We can truly experience this tranquility when we submit all things to him. And yet it's tough to do. Let's look at this urgent request for a minute, this petition. I'm, I'm encouraged by a, an interaction that happened in the book of Luke, chapter 5. I think it helps paint this picture of urgency, an earnest and urgent request before God. In Luke 5, verse 12, it says this, that while Christ was in one of the towns, a man was there who had leprosy all over him. He saw Jesus. He fell face down and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Here he's making an urgent request, a need. There's a lack in his life. 
And he comes before Christ. He falls face down. And there's something to be learned from this interaction. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. This earnestness, this petition. Luke 9, 38. Just then a man from the crowd cried out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son because he's my only child. A spirit seizes him. Suddenly he shrieks and it throws him into convulsions until he foams at the mouth. Severely bruising him, it scarcely ever leaves him. I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they couldn't. And Jesus replied, get this, this is, I try to put myself in this scene. Unbelievable to think that Jesus would say this. You unbelieving and perverse generation, how long will I be with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. You have a request, you have a need, you have lack in your life. Bring it to me. Have faith. Luke 9, 41, regarding this story. Jesus replied, you unbelieving and perverse generation, how long will I be with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. As the boy was still approaching, the demon knocked him down and threw him into severe convulsions, but Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And they were all astonished at the greatness of God. While everyone was amazed at all the things he was doing, he told his disciples, let these words sink in. The son of man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. But they did not understand this statement. For it was concealed from them, so they could not grasp it. And they were afraid to ask him about it. What's interesting about this interaction, this this man comes and he presents a need. There's two needs that are presented here. Two different stories, two different encounters of this lack and need. And they come urgently. They come earnestly with a petition. And yet this miracle, this wonder of what Christ does in this life, the emphasis here isn't just on that Christ can do miracles. The fact is that it's so much more than miracles. He's going to be betrayed and go to the cross for our benefit so he can mediate the ultimate ransom so that we can be freed from the tyranny and slavery of sin and death. This is but just a picture of what our mediator, Jesus Christ, can do. And if he can do those things, if he can mediate in those situations, what encourages me in this that he can mediate peace in our land. But we need to be reverent before him. We need to call on him and ask him to move in our land, to come and make a way to bring peace. I gotta admit, I was pretty skeptical of the things that were happening in, in Ottawa, and yet I haven't had my own boots on the ground to see what's happening, and yet I had many friends and colleagues who went and still are there still, and they're live streaming the events. And it's almost, almost brought me to tears to see the resolve and boldness to go there and desiring to remain peaceful and yet to bring their request before God and also before their leader. And they even did so kneeling in prayer. I even asked myself, I thought, could I, could I kneel in the midst of everyone, in the midst of a crowded street, in the midst of police, in the midst of all those pieces and and powers in play, could I actually kneel and pray, God, heal our land? Could I bring that request? Or would I maybe think this is a little too much, this is a little too heavy, I'm getting out of Dodge. These are the things that I've been contemplating. These are the the things as as I focus on this scripture, realizing that when Christ is our mediator, there's nothing that is beyond his ability.
when we trust in him, when we revere him. Look what his disciples said to Jesus after this encounter about this demon-possessed situation. In Matthew 17, 19, they said this. They, they talked to him privately and they said, why couldn't we drive out this demon? Jesus says, because of your little faith, he told them. For truly I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will tell this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. As they were gathering together in Galilee, Jesus told them, the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him. And on the third day, he'll be raised up. And they were deeply distressed. Here Jesus is showing them, if you just have faith, you can move this mountain from here to there. And the great chasm for them was the sentence of death. And yet Jesus closed that chasm. He closed that divide. He built a bridge by his very body on the cross. And he's telling them, if you can believe, if you can have faith for this, you can believe that I'm going to accomplish this for you. And again, we can take these encounters, we can take these stories, and we can apply it to our current circumstances. Not just in Ottawa. I mean, Ottawa is a great example. It's, it's very paramount in our, in our lives right now. It's affecting every aspect of our social dynamics. But God can move when we call on him. We have to address those needs. We need to address that lack. And so I was encouraged this morning when I received an email from EFC, the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada, encouraging all pastors and churches to pray to come together and to pray for our nation. And if we look at this instruction to young Timothy, again, Paul's telling him, come with all prayers, petitions, and intercession. Bring those needs. He wants us to bring all our concerns before him. Do you believe that? Do you believe he wants us to bring all our concerns before him? Sometimes we, you know, we don't want to admit that we don't have this all figured out that we're flesh and blood, we have emotions, and yet in our vulnerability, it's where his strength is truly profound. It's in our weakness that he is strong. And so shortly, in a matter of minutes, we're gonna come together and we're gonna pray together. We're gonna pray for one another. We're gonna pray for our nation. And before we do that, look at these words in the, in the book of Philippians. We know it so well. Philippians chapter 4. Paul, who's been in prison. Paul, who's writing letters from prison. He's gone through so much. He's been flogged. He's been stoned. He's been left for dead because the powers to be were trying to silence him. And he writes this to the Philippian church. He says, I know how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secrets of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Still, you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. Philippians 4, 18 to 20 says, But I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance. I am fully supplied, having received from Ephroditus what you provided. That is a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. 
You see the connector? You see the connector of this bridge with our passage and in this reference in Philippians that Christ is the bridge. Christ is the mediator. Christ is the means of our supply. That we come to him again with our lack and our need. He's going to meet that need. He's going to be that tremendous supply, but he's also going to work through you and I. And so case in point, again, when we look to our, our nation's capital, we see men and women of all different you know, backgrounds, creed and color coming and providing needs and supplies for people who are coming together to protest. We see this supply in action. I was so thankful to see so many brothers and sisters in Christ bringing the supplies. There's a young man who has a coffee shop who's providing warm coffee. He's been there for days on end. I'm thinking, where is he getting the resource to do this? Because many people's accounts have been frozen. And yet they continue. And yet they continue in this resolve. One of my pastor friends, he's still on the ground. I asked him, you know, just trying to get the lay of the land so I'm not misinformed. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to be misinformed and project something that's happening when it's not. But he said to me, he reminded me of this passage of scripture, Christ will supply all our needs. He's the victor. We have to believe he's going to give us the victory. And so perhaps in that conversation, I thought of this. Paul had Aphrodite's who came and ministered to him and brought supply from the church. In many regards, people were praying. We're praying for Paul. We're praying for the intervention of God. And in many respects in our nation, what has been happening in recent weeks, people have been praying all across this land for freedom to reign, for God to have dominion from sea to sea. And yet like Aphrodite, if I may be willing to say this, perhaps our Aphrodite was in fact the convoy. Perhaps our Aphrodite was them moving into town, bringing supply, bringing resolve to stand up against injustice. And it encourages me that as we look at the resolve, that God, even if there are probably more than likely imperfect things that were happening on the ground, and yet God is able to work through it all. That's been my prayer, God, that you can work through this. Even on the missteps, even when people's tempers, you know, boiled up to a bottling point and they clashed, you can work all things together for our good because we bear the image of God. And what deeply encourages me, when you think about this image, when you think about this image that you and I, Graham, that we have in our maker, is that from him and him alone comes the rights of freedom, freedom from tyranny of sin and death. He establishes our rights. He's the one who appoints rulers and authorities And we're told in Romans 13 that the governing land is to uphold those rights established by our creator. And that's what encourages me this afternoon. So let's just continue here before we come to a time of prayer. He says, come with prayers and intercession, praying for everyone. We said during worship in 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14, and my people who bear my name, If they will humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, I will turn and turn from their evil ways. Then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. My eyes will now be open and my ears attentive to prayer from this place. He's reminding us I'm attentive from the place when you come to me in a place of humility, when you come to me in a place of reverence, when when you come to me looking to me as your full supply. We can come to him in full confidence. Full confidence.
Look how he says here. He says, pray for everyone, for kings and those in authority, so we may lead tranquil and a quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good. And it pleases God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And I wrote a little note here when it comes to praying for everyone. Do you realize that when Paul wrote this letter to Timothy, the emperor on the throne in Rome was Nero? He was a monster. That's putting it delicately. He really was a monster. He would lynch up believers, especially believers in the Colosseum. They called him jack-o'-lanterns. They would put him in the Colosseum to be torn apart by lions and to be used in gladiator games. And yet Paul is saying, be sure to pray for everyone, for all kings and rulers and those in authority. He even meant Nero. And when I had that reality check, I thought, my goodness, that's it. You have to pray for everyone. And I'm not equating Nero to Prime Minister Trudeau. By no means am I doing that. What I'm emphasizing is Paul's encouraging us here today to pray for everyone, even if they're not of our, our you know, political party or whatever you may find yourself in. But we're still meant to pray for everyone. And when we realize that Paul lost his life at the hands of Nero, that Peter lost his life at the hands of Nero, and yet they encouraged people to be steadfast, to keep their faith in God, that reaches to me today that, man, if they're willing to do that, they're willing to lay down their life and keep that quiet resolve and yet boldness because of the access they have to God through Christ. I can follow suit. I need to follow suit. Because we bear the image of God. And so I'm going to invite the worship team to come. And we're going to enter into a time of intercession, enter into a time of a prayer and bringing those decimis, bringing those lack of and need of. And I would encourage us to speak to this need that we have to bring peace into our land. Wherever we, wherever we sit today, it's not about blue party, red party, whatever, whatever have you. Rather, that we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. And the word is true. If we can humble ourselves... In a, in a matter of reverence and come before him that he will heal our land. We know so many people that need this healing to happen because their work, their jobs have been affected. Their family life has been disrupted. People that even need treatment haven't been able to get treatment because things have had to be shut down in the areas because of what's happening in Ottawa. And as we do this, I want to encourage you that I found this part in scripture and it's neat when you're reading the word of God. I've read the word of God from cover to cover maybe about three times in my young life. And yet there's this part of scripture that I don't recall reading. In Hebrews 5, verse 7, the author here tells us about Christ and the importance, the impact of prayer. He says this, During his earthly life, he offered prayers and appeals with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. He's speaking of Christ, the, the perfect spotless land who gave his life, who lived a life with no sin, and yet it shows his prayers were effectual because he came before his heavenly Father with reverence. This deep love and respect for God. And I really believe when we think of this passage in light of the, the verse in Second Chronicles, if we will humble ourselves and pray, 
and turn from our wicked ways and look to him in reverence, he will hear from heaven and heal our land. He will hear our land. And maybe you're here today, maybe there's a lack of faith. Maybe you need faith to be stirred. And let these words that Jesus spoke to one of his followers, Peter, he said this to Peter and let it speak to you here this afternoon. He says this, I have prayed for you, Peter, that your faith may not fail. And you, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. There's times when we falter. There's times when we shrink back. But when we rest in the faith, when we rest in relationship that we have in Christ, realize that he's interceding for us, that he's mediating on our behalf, that we're gonna feel this faith, his faith is gonna stir. There's gonna be this boldness that's gonna bubble up. And as we turn to him in all things, he's gonna come through like a mighty victor in those situations. He's gonna bring the supply to that lack and that need. And he's gonna work through us. He's gonna work through us with one another when we know that there's a lack in my brother's life or a need in my brother or sister's life. He's gonna be able to meet those needs, that lack and that need when we come to him with persistence, with reverence, that our true God is able to mediate all things. And so again, it says, I urge you that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all those who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life and godless, godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases our God and Savior who wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and humanity, the man, Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all, a testimony at the proper time. For I was appointed a herald, an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying. I am a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in truth. You and I, the Bible says, are God's ambassadors, pleading with people, be reconciled to God. And I'm not here preaching at you today. I'm, I'm speaking to myself. I, I'm definitely not perfect in this regard. There are things in this world I don't quite understand. Why people would act and move in certain ways, especially in irreverence for God. And yet today I'm humbled and reminded that when we turn to God in all things, he will hear us from heaven and he will move and he will truly heal our land. And so I'm gonna invite you, if you can, for right where you are. You don't have to stand, but if uh, I wanna encourage you, like the title says, to lift up holy hands this afternoon. And as we pray, I'm gonna invite you, if you feel led, if you feel stirred by the Holy Spirit, I'm gonna have the microphone and we're gonna have a time of prayer and invite you to come and give a word of prayer as the Spirit leads. We're not gonna rush this, we're gonna take our time. We're gonna believe that God is gonna work and move in our midst as we exercise faith, amen? Amen. amen. So worship team, go ahead and, and begin to play and, and lead us in the song you feel fit. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. 
Thank you, Lord, for your promise. The scripture is truly timeless, that it's able to reach into today, into this moment in time, at this proper time. We're believing for breakthrough. We're believing for peace to wash over this land. I believe that you're working through it all, even in the missteps, even the misgivings, Lord, that you are involved. And Lord, we profess and we proclaim your word that says if we call upon you with earnest hearts, when we call upon you in humility for a place of reverence and turn from our wicked ways, that you will hear from heaven and heal our land. So Lord, forgive us. Thank you, Lord, for your son, Lord, the precious blood that we are forgiven through you. Come and move in our nation, Lord Jesus. Come and move and have your way in our land. We need you, God. We, we are truly have shown that we really can mess things up. But you come to our rescue. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. speak the name of Jesus for every heart and every mind for I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus I speak Jesus I just want to speak the name of Jesus starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus Cause your name is power Your name is healing Your name is life Do you believe that? Come on, he brings life Yeah.
my soul to the very depths and I thank you Lord that I was able to witness your love I saw your love so rich and so powerful oh God and the unity that you brought oh Father I saw separatists from both sides of this country, Quebec and Alberta, they came together and they loved one another. Lord, it was your love. It was your love, Father God. It couldn't be theirs because our human love would not overcome the things we'd been taught. And I thank you that was so obvious in every, every one of those people that came forward, Lord. I thank you for the pastors, Lord, that spoke your word and the praise and the worship. They brought you into every, every area. And I thank you for that, Father. I thank you, Lord, that our broken country is going to be healed because they did the Jericho March, Lord God. 
and they blew, they blew horns, Lord God, that brought a mighty move of your spirit. We pray right now, Father God, for the process in the House of Commons. Lord, we pray that your will will be done in each and every one of those ministers. We pray, Father God, that you reach into their hearts, that you turn cold hearts, those stone hearts, Lord, not to their own thinking, but to bring unity and to bring your love into this. Father, I'm just asking you right now, in Jesus' name, to bring this country back on the even keel. Lord, I'm just asking, not for myself, but for our children and our grandchildren and great-grandchildren, Lord God. They need peace. They need to live a life that is normal. Enough with everything that's gone on, Lord. Bring us peace. Bring us harmony. Let your love shine. I pray, Father God, that you would touch our Prime Minister. Oh, Lord. My heart breaks with things that have happened. But you placed him in that place. You placed every one of those ministers in their places. So, Father, I lift them up. I place them all in your hands. Because only you can deal with this situation. This is beyond us, Lord God. It is way beyond us. So, Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, heal our land. And that spark that was in each and every person that went to, the, to Ottawa, that love that they saw, and the joy of the Lord that was there. I pray, Lord God, that there would be sparks set all across this country, that this country would see an awakening like never before. I pray, Father God, that the anointing, your anointing, Father God, would touch those fires and that there would be a great explosion, an awakening, not just for Christians, but bring them all in, Lord. We pray for them all to come into the kingdom. And we give you the thanks. We give you the praise. For only you can do this, Father God. And I thank you, Lord, that you have privileged us to be here this day to see what you are doing in our land. Thank you, Lord. And we ask everything in our precious Lord's name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We're going to give time for one or two more people. Thank you, Lord. You know, sister, as she was sharing about Jericho and marching around Jericho, they were faithful to march around the amount of times that the Lord said to march. And at the moment that they were told to give a shout with the ram's horn and the walls came tumbling down. There's a lot of imagery, there's a lot of symmetry there when it comes to truck horns and, 
and all of that and seeing a lot of things have come crumbling down, the things that have divided us, the things that we thought were important have actually broken apart and there's been a lot of coming together as those walls came tumbling down. Thank you for that prayer, Don. That is that powerful reminder within that prayer, that little preaching moment reminding us about Jericho and the people of faith marching around and seeing those walls come tumbling down. Amen. We're going to take a few more moments. Worship team, continue to, to lead us.